power of an offering. Can we say a word of prayer in Jesus' name? Father, we thank you because you are good. We thank you because you are faithful. We thank you because no one else deserves the praise and the worship that we're going to bring today. We honor you because your word is quick. Your word is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word is able to pierce between soul and spirit. Your word is able to pierce between joint and marrow. And your word is able to um, discern the intents of our hearts. We ask that you will bring us your word today, that we would hear your heart this morning, and that you would accept the offering of our lips. Be thou exalted, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the power of an offering. Um, So, I mean, the question is, what is an offering? For many of us who grew up in church, like myself, we know that an offering is is an integral part of the worship. You don't you don't usually go to church without an offering, except you don't have one, right? But you just, I remember growing up and I would say, mommy offering, and you won't want to get out of the car until we get some kind of offering. Because your Sunday school teacher will even ask you to leave. You don't bring an offering. Um, but children these days, they even call it offering. I know my kids tell me it's Jesus money. You know, so like, give me Jesus money. I'm like, okay, Jesus money. All right. You know, sounds cool. Praise God. But, you know, when you think about an offering, when you look at dictionaries, offering is just defined as something you give. It's defined as a gift. You know, something you share with a loved one. You know, usually with a loved one. You know, and that's what an offering is. It's a gift. It's something you actually do give. Um, and so thinking about an offering, as I thought about this some more yesterday, and um, I was thinking about what I was going to share today, um, it, it began to strike me that if an offering is a gift, you know, something you give usually to a loved one, and I know that there are circumstances when you could be moved to give a gift or to someone, to, to someone who is a stranger, but typically you would give to a loved one. I began to think about the correlation between the relationship you have with someone and the gift or offering that you give to that person, Right? So um, when you think about the gifts you've given to family, to a BFF, to a husband, to a wife, you know, you begin to understand that sometimes you stretch a bit more when the relationship is perceived as deeper, isn't it? I remember once P.I. bought a gift for a, f- a mutual female friend. And then we looked at it and we're like, mm, this looks too much. You know, if you give this kind of gift, someone would think, ah, Keska say, are you her husband or, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So we kept it back and we got something that was, you know, a bit more, what we thought was a bit more, you know, appropriate for the kind of relationship we had with her. So when we think about an offering, you begin to see that there's a correlation sometimes between your offering or your gift and the relationship you have with the receiver, isn't it? Um, by the way, do we know it's Father's Day today? Yeah. <laughs> Can we celebrate any fathers in the house? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Please reach out to our fathers. Reach out to your fathers. I have an amazing father. Please. Say hi. I can see Dick Paul there. <laughs> I can see Tolu. <laughs> Please celebrate them. Hallelujah. Okay, so back to my message. So there's usually a correlation between the kind of gift you give and the relationship you have or you perceive 
that you have with that person. I remember when, when I was growing up in university and you have birthday parties. You know, everybody's waiting for ah, that gift your boyfriend would give. It has to supersede any other thing you are receiving. You know, and if he shows up with something that you perceive as not up to standard, considering what you think is his financial status and the relationship you have, you already begin to question, ah, is this relationship actually the way I think it is because of the gifts? Am I right? Am I right, right? You know, I, I know a few times when Pierre has given me a birthday gift and I thought, ah, <laughs> it's more coming or... <laughs> Oh, this is appetizer, or is this all? You know, that kind of thing. Usually for him, it was just an appetizer. It's because he gives good gifts. You know, but I'm trying to say, I'm trying to say there's something about the gifts you give. Hallelujah. There's something about the gift you give. And that makes me understand Genesis 4.4. When God looked at the offering of Abel and looked at the offering of Cain, and he rejected one and accepted one. If I would read it, Hello. He says, but Abel brought an offering of the finest firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. And the Lord had respect, regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. So Cain became extremely angry and he looked annoyed and hostile. Hallelujah. It was then it struck me why God would look at Abel's offering and say, yes, I like this. This probably looks like what you would give to somebody you have this kind of relationship we have. And then he looked at Cain's um, Cain's, um, offering and says, no, I'm not taking this. I reject this. I don't like this. This doesn't show that we have a relationship, the kind of relationship that we have. Hallelujah. You know, I think about the story of the widow in Mark 12. And, you know, Jesus was talking to his, his disciples and he told them, you know what? Of everyone who has given, this widow who brought just two copper coins has given the most. You know, because she gave, the Bible says she gave out of what? Nothing. She gave out of nothing. And that gift got God's attention. That gift got God's attention. Like a gift would get your attention. Somebody gives you a really wonderful gift and you go, wow, you know, this is good. You know, this is awesome. That gift got God's attention. You know, when I think about an offering and I think about a gift, I now realize why God gave us his ultimate. He was trying to tell us something. He was trying to tell you, I love you that much. I am I, in a relationship or I perceive that our relationship will be something really phenomenal. And you deserve my best gift. You deserve the gift of my life. You deserve Jesus. And that was why he gave us that phenomenal gift called Jesus. So every time you think about God's love, every time you think about the death of Jesus on the cross, I want you to remember that that was a gift of love. That offering, that offering of his life was because God holds you in the highest regard. His relationship with you is, is, is unquestionable. His relationship with you is not, it's not something he was playing about. He, he, had, he made no mistake about it. I, I, I see our relationship as this high and you deserve the gift or the offering of my life. Hallelujah. As we talk about the power of an offering, I can't but go to the story of two men in Acts chapter 16. 
Acts chapter 16 from 19 to about 25. Two men called Paul and Silas. Um, I won't take us through the entire scripture, but I will just give us a background, the story. These two men had been preaching somewhere on the streets of Rome, and um, a young girl had followed them, you know, by the power of divination, kept saying these were men of God, listen to them. And the Bible says that her words had troubled them a lot. She followed them for many days, many days. And after a while, you know what, Paul had to turn around and ask the evil spirit to get out of her. And I'm sure what happened afterwards, he didn't expect, right? He didn't expect that. Because from them, the owners of, the, the, the employers of this girl actually had them arrested. They went to the magistrates. And if I would read from verse 22, so that's Acts 16, 22. Um, multimedia, if you could help me put that up. It says, then the multitude arose against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the earth were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. Hallelujah. There's a, when I thought about what condition were Paul and Silas in, at the time they were giving God that kind of praise, that offering of praise and worship that got his attention. I kind of looked around for a picture. I don't know if multimedia could help me put it up. You know, and this is something to depict the, the situation of Paul and Silas at that time. Remember, they had been beaten. Huh. When you beat young children, I think they get over it quickly. Like, okay, you know, one minute they're crying, another minute they're okay. But when you beat an adult, three days, you still feel the pain, right? So imagine adults being beaten, flogged with rods. Now, when I was doing some history search, it says the Jews would typically maximum flogging 39 stripes. But the Romans, no end. Flog as you please. So you can imagine two, you know, adults being flogged, flogged, and flogged again, covered in their own blood. And after that, they were asked to be put in the dungeon, darkest, you know, darkest part of the cell. And in that position, they were asked that, I mean, they were told the, the, the jailer was told to put stocks on their feet. So imagine sitting in this position, in chains, your, your body covered in stripes with blood you know and you're unable to move you can't even lie down because it's painful I mean, because you're sitting in this painful position you know but you can't even you're not comfortable in any form this is no situation to be you know i'm sorry if this picture offends you but that is the reality of that was the reality of paul and silas at that time you know they could do nothing they feet i don't even know i don't even know if they could eat feet bound hands bound. It's just a horrible sight. But you see, these two men, these two men, Bible says at midnight hour, at the midnight hour, and I don't know why they chose midnight. You know, I don't know who is going through a midnight situation. Everything or something seems to be going just wrong. You know, that's the best time to bring your offering of praise to God. Hallelujah. That's the best time to bring your offering of praise to God. But these two men, with nothing but probably their mouth 
and the worship of God in their hearts, they decided that they won't keep quiet. They were in the dungeons, the darkest, the darkest parts of the cell. They were in chains. They were beaten. They were, they were in pain. But at that time, they wrote, they wrote, there was an offering they decided to give to God. An offering of worship. An offering of praise. Tell me how that wouldn't get God's attention. I can imagine God sitting up in heaven and saying, come on, I hear something. Somebody on the earth is worship, worshiping me irrespective of his, of his situation. I can imagine God saying, wow, hold, hold on angels, hold on angels. There's a sound, there's a sound. There's a sound that is coming to me. A sound out of nothing. A sound out of nothing. A sound that shouldn't even arise considering the circumstances that they are in. But Paul and Silas chose to bring that sound to God. It's the power of an offering. It's the power of an offering. An offering out of nothing. Time out of nothing. Money you give to God out of nothing. A praise in your darkest moments. A praise in your midnight hour. Paul and Silas chose to bring that praise to God. Paul and Silas chose to ignore their circumstances and say, you know what? God's God deserves our praise. God deserves our praise. I'm thinking about the hymn they were singing that day. Maybe it's praise to God, the, the hymn that choir took us through. Maybe it's God is good and his mercy is forever. You know, I don't know what song they were singing, but they brought a worship to God that caused the prison doors to begin to shake. You know, I thought about it and I said, Bible says God sits in heaven and the earth is his footstool. So maybe God was just dancing and tapping and then the earth was quaking. The earth was quaking. The earth was quaking. No, somebody's bringing me an offering that I can't ignore. Will that be you this morning? Will that be you this morning? I'm remembered of Abraham and the offering he gave to God in Genesis 22. God asked him to give Isaac and he didn't hold back. We know the story, right? As he was about to give Isaac, God prov- provided a replacement. And what happened? God said, I swear. I swear to you, Abraham. In blessing, I would bless you. Who wants to bring God that offering today? Who wants to bring God that offering that will get his attention? You know, that time you serve God with when you don't have time, he notices. That money you give to God when it seems like you have nothing, he pays back. Ha! That offering you bring to God of praise and of worship in your midnight hour. Heaven hears it. Heaven hears it. This morning, ignore everyone else. It's an audience of one. It's an audience of one. Somebody's praise and worship makes this into quake. Because when Paul and Silas started praising God, they were not the only beneficiaries. The prison doors were opened. The chains were broken. Your chains will be broken today. In God's presence, in the name of Jesus. So I encourage you to arise. I encourage you to set your heart on Jesus. I encourage you to set your heart on the one who who values his relationship with you so much that he gave himself. That is the level of the relationship he wants to have with you. And bring him that praise. Bring him that offering. Bring him that worship that he can't ignore. Bring him that praise. Bring him that offering that he would, be, he would give regard to. Like Abel, he says, ah, God gave regard to Abel's offering. He had respect to Abel's offering. Bring God that praise because he's listening this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.